Hello, I'm Regina Botras and welcome backstage where we talk with theatre makers from actors, directors, writers, theatre heads and beyond about their life in the theatre and how they got to be where they are now. My guest is Glace Chase. She's a multi-award winning, multidisciplinary trans queen, performer, playwright, comedian, screenwriter, tour guide, bon vivant, and as a playwright, Glace has won two Griffin Awards and the Queensland Premier's Literary Award and has been shortlisted for almost every playwriting award in Australia. Glace has played Triple X, which she created, wrote and stars in, ran at Queensland Theatre Company, or has tried, uh, subsequently moved to Sydney Theatre Company. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Glace was a finalist for the 2021 Susan Smith Blackburn Award for X, which was additionally shortlisted for the Nick Enright Prize for Playwriting. It's been trying to explode on our stages for a while. COVID has tried to pull it back, but it's finally here. Uh, welcome, Glace Chase. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. Before we start, and I can't wait to dig into this because it's really oh, so much to talk about. I think it's doubly important, actually, to go back in time and start. Tell me about what life was like for you as a child, your upbringing, and where did you grow up? And was it a creative household? What was it like for you? Oh, wow. Big question. So I was born in country Victoria into a pretty kind of working class family. Um, I would say it was the opposite of creative. <laughs> you know, my creativity has always been crucial to me as, um, you know, even as a child, as a creative, I'm highly imaginative, really. Yeah. But, you know, finding a pathway into the industry and to a creative life, I guess, has been, you know, hard fought for. Yeah. Especially to kind of do the creativity, to find a place for myself that I enjoy, that that's sustainable for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long, uh, a, a long road. <laughs> a long and probably a lot of, I guess, speed humps in the way, maybe for want of a better word, like coming onto the stage at STC. What were some of those experiences as a performer? Like what was your first thing that you did on the stage? Oh gosh. Well, I was always, you know, I really wanted to be an actor actually. Yeah. That was always my big goal. And then I guess, you know, I was in Sydney, it would have been like 10, 12 years ago. And that was not like that was just never going to happen with where the world was back then, you know? So, I mean, really my story, I get a bit reluctant to go there because there's a lot of like trauma. And then, you know, 10 years ago, it was a different time. People, my, my God, how, how it has changed so much for queer people, for trans people. I, I, I don't think it can be um, said enough how, like it is, chalk and cheese I find it a little bit confronting actually because I think I accepted the world for what it was I'm quite a pragmatic person and so I you know when I left the industry I left very clear-headed knowing that this was I decided I wanted to lead a life of authenticity and personal happiness that meant more to me than a career in the theater or as an actor or anything so I moved to New York City and um you know became a drag queen to help me figure out if I was trans or not and then really and drag was amazing I was good friends with Sasha Velour and and you know I was right there for Sasha's meteoric rise like I was part of um the posse you know I 
you know, we were much closer before, you know, we auditioned for Drag Race the same year. <laughs> I didn't get on. She was always a visionary with drag. I was barely functional as a drag queen. <laughs> and then I remember Sashi said to me like a couple of years ago, you know, because I call myself a trans queen now. I still work kind of in the drag community in New York, you know, but there's a space for trans people. And I was better at being trans than I was at, you know, <laughs> at, at drag. Drag's a lot of work and a lot of skill. And you know, I'm a bit trashy and I couldn't bother <laughs> doing my makeup uh, to such nth degree. And I was always doing a really stripped back look, actually. I could never really perfect like big draggy makeup, at which, uh. you know, as I was kind of working out my gender, it, it you know, Saji said to me, it turns out you were always trans. You were never drag. And that's, ah. that, that's true. <laughs> I can't help but say I've, I've always wanted to do drag show. I just love the big hair and colour and, and life. So did New York kind of allowed you to find your authenticity? Is that what you're saying, basically? And what was it like, like that world there? Oh, God, I love it. Yes, absolutely. New York is my home. It's my happy place. It's my safe uh, space. And, and look, New York is a hard city and, you know, you're, especially when you first move there to build your network. But after a few years, I was gigging every night. New York is humbling too. You never make it there really. Like a, a, mm. if you are working, you've already better, you're already doing better than most. Yeah. And so the fact that I had carved out, you know, I was making a living as a performer is, mm. is really not nothing. You know, I can't wait to get back into it. New York is also a, quite a, a crazy place. And I remember because I've been ostracized a lot, I think, and othered, you know, for most of my life and have a bit of a manic energy in a way. New York, I, I remember just when I got there, I was like, oh, my God, the crazy's already taken care of. <laughs> like in that world, I didn't appear crazy. That said... Mm. I'd still get like double takes when I walk down the street, you know, really? I, I was still like, oh, wow. In New York City, I'm still regarded as a personality and right. as an eccentric, but it's New York City. So if New York City is validating you like that, I took that as a big compliment. I'm like, yeah. wow. But yeah. the difference between Australia and New York is they mm. love an eccentric, like they love it. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, mm. it's so it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it really is my happy place there. I've got such a great community and and it's also a very challenging place mm. to live, but I kind of enjoy the challenge of it. It just yeah. it's a, makes me over it makes me very it's good for my soul. New York is good for my soul. <laughs> and so this play, Triple X, is is set in New York. Actually, you didn't choose to take it here to Sydney and we'll get to that but can you tell me um well actually for the listeners just give us a little kind of set the scene for the story sure so the elevator pitch for triple x is about a straight wall street banker having an affair with a trans performer and then his family finding out the day before he gets married yeah 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 and, yeah. and I uh uh am in it and I'm 
play the trans performer. Yes, yes. <laughs> you play, you wrote, you play. There's, it's a really interesting moment, actually, uh, and it might just take me a little kind of setup here where you are explaining to this upper-middle-class white male coming to terms with his attraction to you, played by Josh McConville in, in the play, and he's sort of repelling the idea of being gay. And it's really interesting to me because it was something that was eye-opening and, uh, as you say, this time... Time now is really different to it was 10 years ago. I know at least three teenagers who are non-binary or want to transition or somewhere in that spectrum. And I've, I've often thought about the difference between sex and gender. And I think that's maybe what this is. Can you explain that, that scene? Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. That's a really insightful question. And, you know, in terms of, look, In terms of uh, the real world, men are interested in trans women. Like, that's just fact. And they're straight men um, or would identify as straight. But also, too, they are straight. They're not gay. I know it. I've seen it. I've experienced it many times. They're not gay. They're straight men, you know, and they have relationships with cis women. And I kind of view attraction, you know, attraction's like a a spectrum, I guess. And we've all got types. So for these guys often, you know, like they're attracted to cis women, you know, what they're attracted to in the feminine spectrum would include trans women and sometimes even drag queens. I think there's a bit of a, it's not as rigid as people think. And so the play's good because I think it opens up a story that many people wouldn't have thought about. But even within the play, like for trans people watching or or the guys, they'd see a lot of specifics maybe that the general audience wouldn't. You know, in the play, it's, it's has Scotty been with a, a trans woman before? And we play it a bit both ways. Um, but, you know, from my point of view as a writer, like definitely, and he's definitely talks about, you know, he's, he's into it. Um, and... Um, I think I really wanted to give a voice. There's a reason why he's the lead. And that's because, you know, being a straight man is, I mean, rightly, we're not giving it as much attention as we, you know, (laughs) the history of the world has. But this is a hidden story. And, and, and also too, how does a straight man who identifies as straight, who is straight, how are they allowed access why are they being shamed or categorized for their attraction to trans women and of course that just has a lead-on effect to trans women you know if 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 they're going to be misrepresented by a broader society that's where their shame kicks in and their struggle kicks in and that just goes straight to trans women because really if you want to say if you want to actually advocate for trans people's rights then you need to advocate for their romantic validity. And so it's really easy to go, oh, those straight men are assholes. But really, you're just putting trans on a pedestal and saying that you can't even have a relationship because you just exist high and above a romantic possibility. I'm giving you like a bit of a deep dive into that world. And triple X, I guess, is is for that world and they will see a lot of specifics, but is also written quite deliberately as a bit of an introduction for people that wouldn't know that. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of Easter eggs in there for people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it doesn't like it, it sets, 
and maybe this is sort of a, an explanation of our times is that I think you say that there's this middle world that you're in, this sort of no man's land that nobody knows the answers to yet. And in fact, the whole plot, whole ending as well sits in that middle land. There's while we're opening up these ideas, it's not solving it and it's not uh, exploding it, I suppose. It's it's opening up the eye. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to the end in a, in a minute. Can you talk about your experience? Like, is Scotty based on one person, amalgamation of people? Like, where has he come from? That's a great story. This, I mean, this is based on my true experiences. And um, Scotty's a bit of a composite character. Um, and, you know, I magpied from a lot of different people, like a lot of different stories I'd hear. Um, but, you know, the base, like the kind of story story, I say there's three Scotties, but really there's one Scotty. Mm-hmm. You know, so some of the plot and, you know, maybe some of the lines and, you know, some of the dialogue or, you know, like there's a thing, Scotty, like Scotty's a bit of a closet romantic and, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's... A, like there's this line, you know, I want to wrap you up in me. Like that's from someone else who actually, you know, <laughs> was using it as a line. I'm like, well, that's just adorable. But the real Scotty, I guess he, like the real person and the character both share a fairly tumultuous inner life. And that was based on a a, a true story of a really honest, authentic, long late night relationship we had but because I was struggling Mm. in my life in a way I was just not a very um I guess I was coming to terms you know I was I was transitioning but I was still coming to terms with myself and and you know you can be quite isolated and he had a lot of that as well and so in these connections we really we were very honest with each other and oh gosh I'm almost getting emotional and really authentic and really kind to each other and but also true like not playing a political like a gender politic like that it's irrelevant Mm. we were very there for each other and saw each other Mm. truthfully in all our complexity and that that's definitely in the play even though the the character Scotty is quite different to the real Scotty but they you know in terms of their circumstances but um they very much share that same inner world yeah Mm. can you talk about that in relation to the other characters because there seems to be like you've got the mother you've got the best friend the sister they seem to have a kind of uh, superficiality, whereas your relationship with him is really, like you say, authentic and honest and there's that real connection and you shake up everyone else's in some way, like um, provoke them in many different ways. But was that sort of, well, I guess I suppose I take this as a statement rather <laughs> that this is my observation. It was very much like, real you felt that connection between the two of you how is it playing yourself on stage in that world now yeah it's I mean it's definitely based on my life and and Dexie is definitely taken from me they they are slightly different you know Mm. Dexie didn't grow up in Australia for, for instance and but there's a lot of parallels 
I don't think Dexie is as good <laughs> at what she does as what I am. <laughs> De- you know, like I actually, you know, consider myself a comic, and um, <laughs> and I gave that to Dexie as well. But um, uh, I don't think Dexie's a very good comic. You know, I know there were some bad jokes in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean that said, like you know, I I've done many horror gigs in my life, and I've I, you know I certainly struggled to find my voice. I think, and so mm. Dexie's struggling to find her voice. But so th- so there is a bit of you know there is a bit of difference. Dexie mm. loves a twirl. I'm not sure if I love a twirl. <laughs> she's very nails and like twirls, and that's not so much me. But she's also a sensualist, which is me. You know, she really just wants to experience and feel things that's me and in terms of playing you know a version of myself it's complicated I mostly I really enjoy it and I've you know because I've hosted and performed so much you know and I'm known as being quite authentic on on stage you know often my gigs I'll just be ranting on a mic about my sex life sex capades or mental breakdowns like it's that that's why people come you know mm. in my karaoke's I will be going for gold in my numbers <laughs> just to like live that emotionally drop everything I've got into to the number so I don't mind the vulnerability of it that said playing yourself for eight shows a week you know when we're in a six seven week season that mm. like that is quite grueling especially mm. with this play and with its emotional content it yeah it's grueling and and isolating it's hard it mm. it, it, it does get it's a lot Mm. but ultimately it's worth it yeah yeah well let's talk about the sex scene it's such a memorable sex scene on stage but I can't help but think of Sydney theatre company audiences watching this predominantly middle class wealthy can you feel the audience when this is happening like how does it feel yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, we've got away with murder in this play. <laughs> we, like, go there. This is a pull-no-punches play. And, um, you know, and we deal with heavy, heavy topics like domestic violence. It's yeah. not just about trans stuff, too. And and do we deal with it in a way that's, I mean, like, <laughs> it's not supporting domestic violence. No. But we're, like, we kind of, you know, the, the whole play it, walks it, a a very fine it's line. It's quite subtle, actually. Like the the hints at domestic violence, the date rape jugs, they're they're commented on, but not dealt with. I suppose you know, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, often I feel that you know, in in the world right now, we're always wanting a political commentary as well as the thing, and I, yeah. I just hate that. I'm all about. I'm just going to give you it and you can do what you want with it. That's up to you, but I want to give it to you. And I want to give it to you from a place of authenticity. So, um, uh, so, so we deal with some weighty topics and then the sex scene itself. I mean, it's, it's quite shocking. Oh Um, yeah. And I, you know, there's never a moment where I am not like, Oh my God, I am crawling across a floor purring like a cat kind of going oh my like like doing this sort of weird role play like I'm gonna be eaten and and Josh Flake Scotty behind me is like going like being King Kong and I'm in lingerie and I'm like in a in a song and I'm like oh my god what is there's never a moment where I'm like this is so intense and but it's fun and funny 
can you believe the audience? We've really had very little pushback, if any really? at all. And the same with the Queensland audience too, who are kind of considered even more conservative from what I understand in Sydney. People, I think because the honesty of this story is yeah. like, it's so authentic and it's so honest and it's so real. People go along for the ride. Mm. And where that scene is placed which is, you know, very late in the play. And we've dealt with some heavy stuff. And then you see these two people be happy. Yeah. And that's a, and God, we're, I'm like, you know, everyone has sex. You can't help but go, God, I wish I was having that sex. Because <laughs> they look like two very happy yeah. people that are, you know, falling for each other. And, and that's where I say we've gotten away with murder. The <laughs> fact that we can do this very raunchy, very sexy scene, and then have, as you say, a mostly conservative audience not only be okay with it, but supporting it. Yeah. It's a testament to Paige's direction and the writing mm. and, and Josh and my connection and all and everything that the play does, actually. I think yeah. I'm, I'm very proud of, of that. Yeah. How did you come to write it? I know um, I read a little bit about it kind of came from a conversation between you and Paige, but in the writing of it and those decisions, and let's get to the end, like there's not an answer. There's not like he leaves, but there's this hint of like living with knowledge. Um, Can you talk about the writing? Yeah. So the writing, it was, you know, I'd had experience writing plays. Like it was kind of the thing I was meant to do and then really had no interest in pursuing. And, but there was, I guess, a bit of a, like I needed to put a, you know, a full stop, um, Mm. a period at the end of, and and I kind of wanted to go out on my terms. And so this, um, so Paige and I were having a chat. I mean, I actually didn't want to write it, but Paige is very, persuasive and she'd heard some of these stories of mine and she's like there's a play in that and I really thought long and hard but I knew at that moment trans as a concept was rising in the mainstream I'd seen that coming and then I said the next big one's going to be trans in love Mm. and it's not here you know when we started writing it, it wasn't here yet and when it was due to premiere in 2020 it was the perfect it was literally this play, I mean, the moment hasn't passed, but that was like, would have been, it was the perfect zeitgeist moment. And so I could feel that, I could see that. And I knew that someone needed to do it authentically. I knew someone needed to be trans. I knew it could be butchered really easily. Mm-hmm. I knew you could do a lot of identity politics with it and make it an obvious story. And I thought that, you know, the connections you know, one of my drag mentors talks about it, you know, there's late night connections between those men and us. It's, there's also a beauty to them. And, and I really wanted to give that to people, let, let them in. So I kind of knew the story needed to be told. It was going to be told and it needed to be told. Right. And that person probably should be me because I knew I could pull it off craft wise. But I also knew it would be brutal for me, and it was. The stress and the emotional pain I went through writing this is I will always have some bittersweet feelings towards this play because of what I went through writing it. I went so deep into myself, I kind of felt like I stopped existing in a way. And I found, I think, 
Oh, no, I don't think it sounds arrogant that it, I went so deep that collective spoke through me in the end and it became a very universal. And I wrote from such a deep place, such a painful place that I think that's why the play really works and why it touches so many people is you can feel that coming from the deep, but that, that process did come at enormous personal cost, enormous a, a cost to my happiness and my, you know, contentment. It was a really, you know, the two years spent writing it were really rough. My therapist actually, you know, people were worried about me. They were right to be worried. I was worried about me. You know, my therapist said I wasn't sure if you were going to survive. And it's, it's, it's true. <laughs> it was a battle. Is it because you had to dig into all of the, the memories and relive things? Is it that sort of that kind of loss of self because you're in this alternate reality or something, your old you or what? Yeah, I mean, as you're going through and crafting a play, it's always a lot of work to figure out what you're trying to say. And, you know, like, I mean, you know, in a way you start a project and you're so arrogant. I oh mean, it's about trans and love. It'll be great. It'll be easy. Boom, boom, boom. And then like, and then there's always a, you know, oh, fuck moment. Like, oh, I've got to really go there. Yeah. And so underneath the play, I think is a really honest question that every character engages with, but particularly the two leads, which is, am I worthy of love? Mm. Am I worthy of happiness? Am I, oh God, I got emotional again. Am I worthy of authentic human connection? And I, you know, there's an obvious answer to that. Yes, we all are. Get it, girl. But if we're to be really honest with ourselves, I think the answer is a bit harder. And maybe that, you know, many of us, particularly the more marginalized or those that feel misunderstood, I think the answer might not be as as golden as that. And I have to ask myself that for a very long time. And that's... You know, in my answer, I, you know, I still being a trans person in this world, Dexie talks about it a lot. You know, she's, she says, I'll always, I know I'll always be alone. Like that, that does come from me. I relate to that a little bit. So to open yourself up to the thought of, of a relationship, it, it was, I thought like it was frightening. I learned a lot it, you can feel the tension in the play that I wrestled with that very honestly yeah Mm -hmm. well look the play is testament to the authentic I don't know I was envious of their relationship (laughs) and that kind of real connection that comes out in the story so Hopefully just knowing that it is touching people and affecting people and really speaking to all people of any of all ages and all kind of classes and all of those things that it's treating I think that is I don't know if it's worth it but it's really we're thankful for it thank you so much guys yeah thank you no it is I'll say no it is worth it It, but there's some bittersweetness there which um you know which is allowed to be there as well Mm. because um but but it is worth it it was an important it is an important story to be told and I'm glad that it could come through me yes and hopefully it gets to go 
back to your safe place in New York. Yes, exactly. It's time for New York City to see this play. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me and talking to me with me. It was just wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. This has just been fantastic. One question I won't. Did you have a backup for you as a, like, cast if you were ill? Who would have played you? Uh, Charlie Sanders, who is um, a friend of mine. We've known each other for a while. And and she does, you know, she bounces around and does lots of different things. And I, when they were looking, I, um, I said, well, Charlie might be good. And so, and Charlie is great. So Charlie's, yeah, I'm very grateful she's there as a just in case. Just in case. Good luck. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. And that was Glaze Trace, the writer and performer from Triple X. It's really one not to miss. If you can get along and see it, it's on it. The Wharf Sydney Theatre Company until the 26th of February. Thank you.